For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Game time on the big stage Sunday night football. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast with Cat Jansen and Lou Coldplays. Your go-to show for all things Broncos. That's right. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up Podcast. It's time to drop some knowledge. I'm Chad Jensen, publisher of MileHighHuddle.com. My co-host, Luke Polglaze, is out today. And this is kind of a quick episode of Huddle Up to catch you up on the latest kind of goings-on with the Denver Broncos. Now, Luke and I started Huddle Up almost a year ago, breaking down the Broncos once a week. Last November, we accepted an opportunity to do a daily podcast, Locked on Broncos, which we've been doing ever since, and we recently resigned from the Locked On Network. And if you're curious as to why that is or a statement, you can check out either mine or Luke's Twitter feed. But we are excited to focus once again on Huddle Up and kind of do this at our own pace. Now, Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, they picked up the torch a few weeks back, and they've been producing great episodes on the Broncos and the NFL Draft really breaking down prospects and roster needs. And going forward, we're going to run two different shows through Huddle Up, and maybe more as time goes on. Luke and I will kind of do our thing once a week, focusing on the latest Broncos news, giving you our usual in-depth analysis, while Nick and Carl, they'll continue to focus on more of the draft aspects. And, you know, there will be times that we – that uh, you know, crossover, and and it'll be a lot of fun moving forward. Now we're not here, huddle up, that is, to just report the news. We're here to give you a deep dive on your favorite team. So help us out, retweet the episodes when you see them on Twitter, share them on Facebook, share them on Reddit, and follow the show on Twitter at huddle up underscore mhh. Take a second, get that done, and check out the work we're doing over at milehighhuddle.com. I'm sure the vast majority of you. Uh, are very clear on what we're doing over there and follow our work. But we have killer premium Broncos content. And again, it's more designed for the the Broncoholics out there, the sick maniacs, deep dive stuff. Our premium members get 10% off on tickets, 10% off on Broncos team merchandise through Fanatics. And also check out the work Luke is doing over at Inside the Pylon. Uh, True kind of football nerd stuff. Also, make sure you're subscribing on iTunes. Um, Huddle Up can also be found on Stitcher if you're an Android user. We're on iHeart, CastBox, and as we get closer to the NFL Draft, things are really going to be heating up at Dove Valley, and you're not going to want to miss a single episode. Now, getting back to, real quick here, a few of the latest as it relates to the Broncos. In case you missed it, the Broncos had to recently pay back a $4.5 million loan to the NFL, a salary cap loan, if you will. Now, the NFLPA, the Players Union, has updated Denver's remaining cap space, putting them at a little over $16 bucks in available space. That $4.5 million uh, was borrowed against the cap over the 2011 and 2012 seasons when the league was still kind of adjusting to things following that long, arduous, drawn-out uh, battle that was the lockout. I don't know if, if any of you remember that. 
not long after Von Miller uh, was drafted by the Broncos, there was just this pall of uncertainty whether or not there would even be a season that year in which the Broncos, you know, the fans would be able to get a look at their shiny new number two overall pick and, and the new team that John Elway was set to field um, under, you know, the coaching of John Fox. But of course, money is king when it comes to the NFL and both the players and the owners figure out uh, figured out at some point, hey, we got to make this thing work or else we stand to lose a boatload of cash. Now, as it relates to these loans, multiple NFL teams actually took them out. And the deadline to pay them back, 2017. So Denver basically had to uh, capitulate and get that done. But it still leaves them with more than enough wiggle room to do what they need to do. And what is that? What do the Broncos need to do? What's left on the table? Luke and I were just talking about this a few days ago. You know, the biggest holes when you look at the Broncos right now on paper is I look at the left tackle situation that's still unresolved, and then I look at some depth issues on defense, uh, specifically the defensive line, a little bit concerned about inside linebacker. But on the free agent market, as it relates to salary cap space, not a lot of options for the Broncos um, at inside linebacker. There's, there still are some diamonds out there in the rough when it comes to the defensive line that I won't be shocked if Denver partakes in, brings a, a guy or two in here once it maybe gets a little bit closer to the season and the players um, maybe start getting a little bit more desperate and are willing to, to take a look and accept more team-friendly deals. But the left tackle situation is something, it's it's kind of the, you know, the glaring uh, need right now for the Broncos. And you listen to John Elway not too long back, what was it? two weeks ago, not long after they signed uh, Domita Pecco and, and Zach Kerr, he said that, um, you know, look, we signed Menelik Watson. He's going to compete. We don't know if he's going to be left side. We don't know if he's going to be right. You know, we're going to take a look at Donald Stevenson, or actually to use his verbiage, take a peek at Donald Stevenson at left tackle, at which point Broncos country collectively almost lost their you-know-what. Um, and again, I think anyone who's been listening to uh, the podcast I think Ty Sambrilo, <clears throat> excuse me, factors in somewhat to the Broncos' uh, plans at left tackle. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to rely on him to be their starter at left tackle, but they're sure as hell hoping that he can, under the coaching of Jeff Davidson, turn the corner um, and uh, regain some of the form that he might have had as a rookie before he started getting hurt. I mean, if you go back in time and remember his rookie campaign, of course, second-round pick 2015, Ty Sambrilo started off his career as Denver's starting left tackle after Ryan Clady went down with an ACL, protecting an eight, a, a guy in his 18th season quarterback, Peyton Manning, blindside. He started three games at left tackle, and although he wasn't, you know, and by any means – some kind of all-pro at the position, he held down the fort, kept Peyton clean uh, before he suffered that uh, shoulder injury on the road in Detroit and then missed the rest of the season. Fast forward to last year, 2016, his second year in the league. He was still trying to recover from that, had an elbow issue. They tried him at right tackle. And long story short, as we all know, anyone who paid any attention to the Denver Broncos last year, when Ty Sembrilo was on the field, it was catastrophic. I personally am of the opinion he is better suited, whether it's a power scheme or a, a zone scheme, to the left side. In college, that's mostly what he played was left tackle. And he doesn't have to be the power guy at left tackle. Um, you know, they can leave that for Menelik Watson over on the right side 
which is you know the traditional approach in the NFL. You put the power guys on the right side, typically. Ty Sambrilo on the left side <clears throat> could use utilize more of his athleticism um, to to get the job done and protect a guy's blind side, whether it's Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, or you know who. So I think that he factors in Sambrilo somewhere into Denver's plan. And uh, at the very least, you know, he's going to be the guy they expect to be the swing tackle. And I'm very interested to see how he reacts, how he takes to the coaching of new offensive line coach Jeff Davidson, whom I know the Broncos are very confident in his ability to get more out of some of these younger guys who haven't quite developed uh, in the way they the, the front office had hoped they would, speaking specifically of Max Garcia, Ty Sambrilo, and even Michael Schofield. The exception to that rule, of course, was Matt Paradis, who has back-to-back two phenomenal seasons out of nowhere after being a sixth-round pick uh, in 2014. He came out of nowhere to start uh, 2015, won a Super Bowl, and then 2016, and battled all the way through uh, to not only be uh, one of the highest-rated centers in, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, in the NFL, but also doing so while battling two hip injuries uh, both of which he's had surgery on in the offseason. So he was kind of the exception. But these other three guys, Garcia, Sambrilo, and Schofield, the front office didn't really feel like Kubiak's staff got the most out of them. So the hope here, of course, is that uh, Davidson, Mike McCoy, Bill Musgrave, this brain trust, if you will, is going to be able to maximize the potential of these guys who do, I mean, they do have potential. And Sambrilo, of course, he represents the highest investment being a former second-round pick. And we'll see how it shakes out. I mean, I know that the there is urgency as it relates to Sam Brilo, both internal, uh, you know, for his, from his perspective, and at the organizational level to say nothing of the fan base. So he's he's under the gun. I think the Broncos are going to expect to see some significant improvement from him this time around in camp. And if they don't, who knows? Maybe he'll get the Monte Ball treatment. Um, but I have a sneaking suspicion that we might actually see a little bit better uh, production and performance out of Sam Brilo, especially if they're not playing him out of position. Put him on the left side, and let's see what happens. Now, that doesn't mean I'm, I'm advocating for him to be the starter, but I just think that as it relates to his skill set, that's where he is best suited. So we'll see what happens there. But again, back to the cap space issue, Broncos have $16 bucks left. Okay. They still have to sign their draft class, and Luke talked about this the other day, but you know, going into this thing, the Broncos have 10 picks into the, this year's draft, and you're, they're probably going to need to allocate, just use a round number, somewhere around 9 or $10 million bucks. Okay, You look at what they have left, and then you go on to the next subject, which we're going to talk about here in just a second, is, as it relates to Tony Romo and what could happen there. But before we do, I want to talk really quick about a, a study that was done by the Interactive Advertising Bureau and Edison Research, which shows that consumers are highly likely to purchase from podcast sponsors. According to a survey of over 1,000 podcast listeners, nearly two-thirds of them, 65%, were more willing to consider purchasing products and services they learned about during a podcast. 60% added that given equal price and quality, they prefer to purchase from companies that advertise on their favorite podcasts. So if you're listening to this show as a business owner, that's some powerful data. And if you'd like to reach the male demographic in particular, you have a product or a service that suits that demographic, 
you should take a hard look at sponsoring this podcast. Huddle up. We are currently looking to add new sponsors to the show. Feel free to reach out to us at milehighhuddle at gmail.com, and we can talk about it. So getting back to uh, cap space, real quick, and we'll get out of here. Let's touch on the latest in Romo Watch. Of course, John Elway, Joe Ellis, Vance Joseph, the Broncos contingent were in Phoenix, Arizona over the last week or so um, and over the weekend for the NFL owners meetings. An annual meeting takes place, discuss rule changes, gives guys, front office guys and owners a chance um, for some FaceTime, to be face-to-face. And, you know, there was some buzz going into that weekend in particular and some speculation um, that the Broncos were saving some cap space just in case for Tony Romo. And then, of course, there was that possibility that maybe face-to-face as it relates to a trade, a possible trade, that John Elway and a guy like Jerry Jones, maybe they'd be able to come to some kind of an understanding uh, and, um, you know, make an agreement on Romo. But Elway, of course, came out of it, was quoted uh, as saying, nope, same old thing, Romo, he's still under contract with the Cowboys. Elway says, quote, like we've said, we really feel good about the two young ones that we have. The plan is to stay the course there, see what's available in the draft. We'll go from there, close quote. Now, what does that mean, see what's available in the draft? I don't necessarily think after taking a quarterback in the first round last year, the Broncos are super uh, committed, if at all, to targeting a quarterback in the draft. If they do, it's going to be if a guy they really like drops uh, and presents great value or take a flyer on another developmental guy late in the draft. I think really what he means by the plan is to stay the course and see what's available in the draft is as you get closer to the draft, and especially once it lights up and draft day is, is upon us, that's typically when you see the trade market in the NFL pick up, right? That's when things start getting hot and heavy and, and you really start to see movement. Now, the basic understanding at this point uh, from from guys I've talked to is that Jones and the Cowboys in all likelihood are going to hold on to Romo till the draft and just see what happens. So maybe as things get a little bit closer, the Broncos will take a look and see what happens there. Uh, another team, the Texans, could come out and all of a sudden say, all right, what, what's it going to take? Let's get this done and, and get Romo. But according to a report by Clarence Hill, now Clarence Hill is a beat reporter for the Star-Telegram down in Texas, He says that the Broncos are interested in Tony Romo, which we've been saying for the past three or four months, well, three months, but only if he's released because his contract is not tradable. And if you look at his contract, it really is, um, it's not as prohibitive as as you might think. His his salary cap number this year anyway is only like 14 million bucks. But the Broncos, if they get Tony Romo, they're going to want to negotiate with him on their own terms, and structure a deal that 100% not only makes sense financially for the Broncos and as it relates to their cap situation, but also a deal that's going to protect them. uh, You know, because, I mean, let's face it, Tony Romo, basically the last two, three times he's been hit, catastrophic injury, misses time. And he hasn't finished a season, played a full 16 games since 2012. He's 36. I mean, this is a situation in which the Broncos would have to be very, very careful um, in navigating a contract uh, with Tony Romo. So you look at that, and I see, I, I still, from what I'm hearing, let, let me put it this way. The Broncos, what Clarence Hill Jr. is saying down there at the Star-Telegram is 100% correct based on everything I've heard. 
The Broncos are interested in Romo, but the caveat is if he's released because not only do they not want to um, deal with the current contract that that he has with the Cowboys, but they don't want to give up any kind of capital in return for him when the odds tell us that the Cowboys are going to have to release him in all likelihood at some point anyway. So Elway is doing what he has to do. He's putting on the brave face. He's putting on the front. You know, right now it's all about plausible deniability because if nothing happens, okay, let's say Romo says screw it and retires and goes into broadcasting, uh, as our friend Mike Fisher over at Dallas H- uh, Cowboys HQ has, has talked about he might do, or even if he gets traded to Houston or whatever might happen, if he doesn't end up in Denver, okay, the Broncos don't either trade for him or end up signing him as a free agent, Elway still can maintain um, you know, the storyline, if you will, with the fan base and with the team and with the quarterbacks on the roster that, hey, look, we were never really in on Tony Romo. That was all speculation driven by the media, yada, yada, yada. I mean, if you look at his, con- his, his actual comments at the NFL owners' meetings, there's some, he's, he's choosing his words very, very, very carefully. So he's setting the stage for plausible deniability in the event that nothing ever happens with Romo um, so he can cover his butt. And not just with the fans, but with his quarterbacks, which really, if you think about it, that's a major concern because that's gonna it's going to have some kind of an impact on a Paxton Lynch and a Trevor Simeon. If Romo comes to the roster, um, it's going to have some kind of a psychological impact on them. You know, you can go down that road and think about how you might feel if all of a sudden you were basically a guy brought in in your job to replace what you were doing, put you on the back burner, et cetera, et cetera. And so if he can avoid that eventuality and avoid that um, possibility with, with his young quarterbacks, that's, that's a win-win. Now, if Tony Romo ends up coming to Denver, it is what it is, right? Get in line, learn what you can from them, young bucks, and, and uh, let's go out and try and win some ball games. But at the end of the day, there's still a lot of variables with this whole situation. Um, and, you know, it's not going to surprise me either way, whatever happens. My gut tells me at this point, the, the longer this goes, and I've been saying this for, for days now, well, weeks really, that the longer this goes, the less likely Denver is of getting Tony Romo. So, and if you ask me, my whole opinion on the quarterback situation anyway, is I've been from day one of the opinion that the Broncos need to steer clear of Romo and focus on picking a guy and developing them and building around them. My preference, and it's not because I necessarily like him any better than the other, is Paxton Lynch. I think the Broncos need to put a focus on and a commitment in to Paxton Lynch and build around him only because he was a first-round pick, okay? And those are the guys you absolutely, 100% of the time, you have to hit on them, especially if they're a quarterback. So this whole idea, you know, with with Trevor Simeon, yeah, he was also a draft pick. Yeah, he was a seventh-round pick. Does it really matter where the guy is drafted? No, it, it, it doesn't matter except that the Broncos only a year ago invested a first-round pick you know, when you break it down to a skill set, look, Tom Brady was a six-round pick many years ago. Look what he's been able to accomplish. But let's not try and compare a guy like Trevor Simeon, who's only two years removed from being a seventh-round pick, to somebody of, of Brady's caliber. He's still very much an unknown quantity in his own right, as as well as he did at times in his first year as a starter last year. So the Broncos, in my mind, they need to focus on Lynch 
and see where it leads them. And the good news on that regard is if that's what happens, they do have the depth of roster and the talent on the roster to cover up a lot of what, you know, his growing pains, Lynch's. You know, they can still get through the first half of a season and probably be either slightly above 500 or right there at 500 to where they can make a push down the stretch to either make a play in the division or at least get a wild card. But in your first year as a starter, unless you're Russell Wilson or Ben Roethlisberger, getting a wild card, I mean, that's that would be a great success. And, it just you know, you get into the tournament, anything could happen. But that's the that's the upside and, and the possibilities I see with Paxton Lynch. You get Trevor Simeon, who knows? We'll probably, we probably we basically saw what, what you can expect from Simeon in 2016. So I really think at this point it would be in the organization's best uh, interest to just go all in on Lynch and let's see where it leads him. You know, if it takes a year or two to get back into full championship caliber contention, so be it. But that was the decision Elway made when he invested a first-round pick. Yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Okay, what about this defense? You don't want to waste this defense. There's only so much time that they can keep this this unit together, and that's true, which is why, again, they need to get Lynch on the field as quickly as possible. So we'll uh, we'll see what happened, but that's just kind of my gut right now on the Romo situation. It's not over till it's over, and don't – I would counsel you not to take what Elway is saying as face value, and really, again, to me, it's all about plausible deniability. If Tony Romo hits the market as a free agent, you're going to see the Denver Broncos uh, not just take a peek. They're going to pursue him. So we'll see what happens. But, uh, hey, thanks for listening to this kind of special edition of Huddle Up. Spread the good word. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at HuddleUp underscore MHH. You can find Luke, my partner, on Twitter at Luke Polglaze, myself at Chad N. Jensen. We love hearing from you, so hit us up. Luke and I will try and hook up next week sometime uh, and see if we can't get this thing on a, on a regular schedule. It's not going to be daily. We're out of the daily game. That's just too much work. Um, but we are going to try and be consistent uh, once a week. Nick, Carl, these guys are going to be dropping a new draft episode soon, so stay tuned for that. Don't forget to subscribe, y'all. For Luke, I'm Chad. We'll talk to you soon. Mile high huddle. Attention Social Security and SSI recipients. If you did not receive an economic impact payment for your eligible spouse or dependents, you may need to file a 2020 tax return with the IRS and claim the recovery rebate credit. Go to ssa.gov EIP to see if you need to file a tax return and if eligible for other refundable tax credits, like the child tax credit. That's ssa.gov EIP. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Lately, our homes have experienced more of us. More dishes. More flushes. Mom. And more shower time concerts. After 50 years of encores, Mr. Rooter Plumbing Service professionals are equipped to handle anything. We're your neighbor you can call anytime, and we'll be there because we've been here all along. Mr. Rooter Plumbing, a neighborly company. Visit MrRooter.com today.